Hi, you're listening to Your Best with my nanny, Kathy Weckworth. Hi, this is Kathy Weckworth, Executive Director of Best Life Ministries, and you're listening to Your Best, a motivational, inspirational 30 minutes that will help you want to be your best. Today's topic is Christmas Study Week 2 Angels. Let's start things off right away with one of my favorites, Amy Grant's Hark the Herald Angels Sing, and here we go. Hark the herald angels sing, glory to the newborn king. Peace on earth and mercy mild, God and sinners reconciled. Joyful all ye nations rise, join the triumph of the skies. With angelic hosts proclaim, Christ is born in Bethlehem. With angelic hosts proclaim, Christ is born in That song still stands as my all-time favorite Christmas song ever. Well, welcome to the show, and thanks for listening. And today we're going to talk about an incredible, wonderful topic, and that's the angels, the angels that were mentioned in the Christmas story. Now, did you know that angels are mentioned at least 108 times in the Old Testament and 165 in the New Testament? We're going to look closely at the angels that are spoken of within the specific story. In Scripture, we find that Matthew and Luke both tell us about the birth of Christ and what happened with the Virgin Mary receiving her visit from the angel. Along with the Virgin Mary, mother of Jesus, angels visited Mary's cousin's husband, Zechariah, 
and also Joseph, the earthly father of Jesus, and the shepherds out in the fields. What an incredible experience it must have been to have an angel visit them. Angels' roles are shown in Scripture, and they do five things. Are you ready? Number one, they worship God. Number two, they protect people. Number three, they encourage people. Number four, they announce something because they're serving between you and me and God. Number five, they deliver judgment. Now, I like the one about protection. Here's a great verse. Psalm 91:11. for he will order his angels to protect you wherever you go. But somehow as humans, well, we like to dismiss the role of angels as what they really do, and we like to dramatize them. For example, perhaps you remember this from my favorite December 25th, 1946 movie. No, I wish that I had been in the theater back then, but I'm not quite that old. This movie is called It's a Wonderful Life. Let's listen to the clip. I owe everything to George Bailey. Help him, dear father. Joseph, Jesus, and Mary, help my friend, Mr. Bailey. Help my son, George, tonight. He never thinks about himself, God. That's why he's in trouble. George is a good guy. Give him a break, God. I love him, dear Lord. Watch over him tonight. Please, God. Something's the matter with Daddy. Please bring Daddy back. Hello, Joseph. Trouble? Looks like we'll have to send someone down. A lot of people asking for help for a man named George Bailey. George Bailey? Yes, tonight's his crucial night. You're right. We'll have to send someone down immediately. Whose turn is it? That's why I came to see you, sir. It's that clockmaker's turn again. Oh, Clarence hasn't got his wings yet, has he? We passed him up right along. Because you know, sir, he's got the IQ of a rabbit. Yes, but he's got the faith of a child. Simple. Joseph, send for Clarence. You sent for me, sir? Yes, Clarence. A man down on earth needs our help. Splendid. Is he sick? No, worse. He's discouraged. At exactly 10.45 p.m. Earth time, that man will be thinking seriously of throwing away God's greatest gift. Oh, dear, dear, his life. Then I've only an hour to dress. What are they wearing now? You will spend that hour getting acquainted with George Bailey. Sir, if I should accomplish this mission, I mean, uh, might I perhaps win my wings? I've been waiting for over 200 years now, sir, and people are beginning to talk. What's that book you've got there? Oh, The Adventures of Tom Sawyer. Clarence, you do a good job with George Bailey, and you'll get your wings. Oh, thank you, sir. Thank you. George Bailey, played by James Stewart, is visited by a funny little man, an angel, who's supposed to be an angel without wings. His name is Clarence. Clarence really is trying hard to earn those wings. Now, that's Hollywood's interpretation of angels, but it's not the Bible's. Then in the 1947 movie with Cary Grant, He plays an angel named Dudley who falls in love with a bishop's wife. Hollywood, not biblical. Or even in a more recent film called City of Angels starring Nicolas Cage, Nicolas plays an angel named Seth who falls in love with Meg Ryan and then chooses to become mortal. Again, Hollywood, not biblical. Angels don't have to earn wings. 
They don't fall in love with other people's spouses. They don't get to become mortal. But we like to make up things about them, kind of like this old favorite song of mine from Trisha Yearwood and Vince Gill. Now, it was originally written to promote some sort of huge, I think it was the 50th celebration anniversary of the movie. But they sang it, and it really talks a lot about the Hollywood-isms of what they believe angels represent. Not true, but it's a fun song. Let's listen to it. An Angel Gets Its Wings by Trisha Yearwood and Vince Gill. Great song, love the voices and the melody. How fun is it? But it's not biblical. 
So what do angels really do? Well, as I said before, let's review it because we're going to get ready to launch into different kinds of angels, what they do and how they visited different people during the Christmas story. They worship God, protect people, encourage people, announce something and deliver judgment. Let me tell you a story about how God used someone and perhaps an angel to encourage me. During a very long period of time without a job, when I was married to my first spouse, we had become in utter despair. My spouse had lost his job, and there was no money. There was no food. It was very, very stressful. Three little girls, a big house payment, a car payment, and no food. I remember looking in my cupboard one day, too afraid and too embarrassed to tell another living soul that we didn't have food. I remember I had a jar of peanut butter, a half a loaf of bread, and some refried beans. That was it. The church told me where we attended that I could come in and get groceries. I snuck in with three bags, and I snuck out before anyone could see. I remember being so depressed and so humiliated. Day after day, my ex-spouse would look for work, and day after day, he returned with nothing. Unemployment was used to try to pay the house payment, and I worked extra hours at the Target to try to cover the bills. I don't ever even remember having a period of my life that was so discouraging. I prayed, and I prayed, and God did not answer. Over a year went by, and I remember the night specifically. It was dark and rainy. I remember it was a Wednesday night. Actually, I remember it like it was yesterday. I arrived at my job at Target about 4.30 p.m. I put my red Target vest on, and I worked behind the jewelry counter. Back then, they sold very expensive jewelry and watches. My coworker greeted me, and we chatted. I told her still no job. Well, she was sent to help in another department, and I covered the jewelry department by myself. I remember sitting on the floor emptying boxes of watches and stocking the shelf, and I began to cry. It was a quiet evening. I remember not sobbing, but just really feeling the tears falling down my face. And I remember praying while I stocked the shelves. And I said to God, this is it. I just have no more patience. I can't go on. I feel at the end of my rope. I feel completely hopeless. And just at that moment in time, as I finished my prayer, I heard a man clear his throat and say, excuse me. I looked up. He looked very kind, about 60 years old, medium height, kind of nondescript. He had a tan raincoat on. Now, the interesting thing to me was that he pulled out a huge old Bible from under his arm. So who shops at Target with a Bible, right? Well, he set it on the counter and he said, I need to get a watch band changed. He pulled off an old watch from his wrist and just kept looking at me in the eyes and said, How are you doing tonight, Kathy? And I said, well, I've had better days. Now, friends, my father was a watchmaker. He was a college professor, but he also was a gunsmith and a watchmaker. And I'd seen many, many old watches in my life. But this one was really beautiful. It was very different. I'd never seen anything like it. I didn't recognize the name, the make, the model, nothing. And I got to work looking for a different watch strap for him. And while I worked, he began to talk to me. He leaned in and he said, Kathy, are you really doing okay? I I, I know you said you're discouraged. And I said, yeah, I really am. And he looked at me and he paused and he said, Kathy, God has not left you. 
He's right at work right now. He hears your prayers. He knows that timing is crucial. But remember, our ways and his aren't the same. I thought, this is really weird. I just said, okay. I kept working on his watch strap. And he said, you know what scripture says, right? Romans 28. Kathy, I need you to say it with me. And I said, okay. And I quoted it. It was a verse that I'd known from childhood. For we know that all things work together for good to them who love the Lord, to them who are called according to his purpose. It all seemed kind of strange to me. And as I finished up getting his strap done and put it on his wrist, he continued to look at me gently. And he said, Kathy, wait on God. Wait on him. He'll see you through. Don't be discouraged. It's just a little longer. I thought, okay, this is so strange. I remember thinking, he's going to pull out a check, and he's going to write this check blank, and and it's going to say John Smith that lives on Goldenrod Avenue, and that's going to be it. And instead, he pulled out a $10 bill that was very worn out of his pocket. I gave him the change, and he said, remember to trust God. It won't be long now. And I said, I will. And he said, have a good evening. And he turned around and walked away. Now, I remember the aisle specifically. You could only go one way or the other. It wasn't like there were lots of avenues out of where he was exiting. And as I watched him walk away, my coworker walked up and said, hey, who was that? Was that one of your friends? I said, nope, never seen him before in my life. Why? She said, I just wondered, um, you know, he seemed to know you. How did he know your name? I reached down and said to her, well, you know, it's from my name tag. I put my hand over where I'd wear my name tag. And I looked down and she said, you're not wearing a name tag. There had been no one around to say Kathy. There was no one who knew me. I didn't know this man. And all he said to me were words of encouragement, not to give up, not to quit, to know that God was working. A split second had gone by since he had walked down the aisle I quickly ran. I got behind the counter and ran down that aisle looking for where he would be, but no one was in sight. I often wondered if I had just done what Scripture says, entertained an angel unaware. Needless to say, one week later exactly, my ex-spouse got hired for a job and life eased up. I never forgot the kind man who encouraged me just the right time and just the right place bringing a huge Bible, setting it on the counter, telling me never to give up. Whether or not he was an angel or just some kind man, I don't know, but God sent him that night, and I remembered that God sends angels to encourage. I cannot tell you how dark of a place I felt I was in that night, but God changed everything. You see, friends, God has a plan for our lives, and at times when we feel so very alone, God will send someone to encourage us, a note, a card, a call, or sometimes we have to keep our eyes and our minds open because we never know when he will send angels to protect, deliver, or encourage. Hebrews 13.3 states, Do not forget to show hospitality to strangers, for by so doing, some people have shown hospitality to angels without knowing it. Well, let's continue our research about angels and how they're part of the Christmas story. Friends, people have misconceptions of angels, as we just heard in the little clip from It's a Wonderful Life and the song that I love from Vince Gill and Trisha Yearwood. One of the things that people believe is that when we die, 
we become angels that can watch over our family. Sometimes when little children die, people will say, well, that's okay because they're my guardian angel. And you know, that sounds so beautiful and what a pleasant thought, but it's not true. It's not biblical. How do I know that? Because we can look in scripture. Angels were created by God and were there at the beginning of the creation of the earth. In Job 38, it says, where were you when I laid the earth's foundations? This is God talking to Job. And all the angels shouted for joy. You see, he's talking about creating the earth and the angels are there with him. It's not that he recreates angels or uses people when they die to become angels. No, there is a number of angels. Scripture says it's thousands upon thousands, but they're not being recreated. Evangelist Billy Graham states the important thing isn't when God created the angels, but why he created them. The Bible tells us that angels were created for one reason, to do God's will. To put it another way, they were created to be God's instruments or agents to carry out his work. The Bible says, praise the Lord, you his angels, you mighty ones who do his bidding, who obey his word. Well, just as the angels are largely unseen by us, so is their work, Billy Graham says. He is convinced that when we get to heaven, we will be amazed when we discover all the things God did through angels, including their protection over us in times of danger. No, friend, it's not your great Aunt Ethel. It's not your fabulous little granddaughter. It's not Uncle Bob or neighbor Tim. It's the angels that God has created that he set out to protect us. This includes not only physical danger, but moral and spiritual danger. The Bible says, for he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. That was the beautiful scripture that I read before. Friends, angels were created by God. And when people die, they either go to heaven or they go to hell. There's nothing in scripture that says they're turned into guardian angels. Instead, God already has his angels doing that job. Our loved ones, according to Paul, the apostle in scripture, are absent from the body and present with the Lord if they trust in Jesus as Savior. So here's another question. In the Christmas story in the book of Luke, we see that angels appeared to Mary, to Joseph, to Mary's cousin Elizabeth's husband, Zechariah, and to the shepherds out in the fields. So sometimes people will ask me, okay, are there names of angels? Do we know who the angels are? And scripture tells us that there are two specific angels that they talk about. The angel Gabriel, who spoke to Mary, and there's the angel of the Lord who visits Joseph in his dream, the shepherds, and Elizabeth's husband, Zechariah. There's also the archangel Michael. Only two of God's angels are directly named in the Bible. The archangel Michael is named after Michael, which means who is like God. Michael's referred to in the book of Jude 1.9. But even the archangel Michael, when he was disputing with the devil about the body of Moses, did not himself dare to condemn him for slander, but said, the Lord rebuke you. That's Jude 1.9. Michael is described as a warrior in the books of Daniel. Jude and Revelation. He battles wicked demons and Satan. Archangel means angel in chief. He's an army leader. Now the other one is Gabriel, and Gabriel means God's hero, and he is God's special messenger to earth. On several occasions in the Bible, he's given the job of coming to earth to give important announcements and tell of special events. 
In Luke, the Christmas story tells us that Gabriel is the one that visits Mary. In the sixth month, scripture says God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Now, the only other angel mentioned in scripture with a name, are you ready? Other than Michael and Gabriel is Lucifer or Satan. He is a fallen angel. Did you know that? He's a fallen angel who's wicked and evil and has demons. He took a third of the angelic hosts with him when he left heaven. Lucifer wanted to be God. You can read all about that in the book of Isaiah. What do angels look like? Did you ever wonder? Sometimes people will ask me, well, what did that man look like? Well, I'm telling you, he was very nondescript and very kind. His eyes were very gentle. He was tall. He had kind of reddish brown hair. And that's all I remember. But in most angelic appearances in the Bible, no physical description is given. Just that an angel appears or comes and someone looks like an angel, their face looks different. People recognize that. People don't seem to have had any trouble recognizing that they're angels because they get scared. However, most angels in Scripture are normally described as tall young men with shining faces wearing white simple robes. And guess what? There is never any mention of wings. Did you notice that? No, there's no mention of wings. Where do we get that from? Well, let me tell you. Scripture in Isaiah describes the angels that are called seraphim and cherubim. So now we're going to get to wings. Here's what scripture says. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord high and exalted, seated on a throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him were seraphim. Okay, these are angels. Listen to the description. Each with six wings. With two wings, they covered their faces. With two, they covered their feet. And with two, they were flying. And they were calling to one another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. At the sound of their voices, the doorposts and thresholds shook, and the temple was filled with smoke. That's Isaiah 6. The seraphim worship God continually. That's their job. Six wings seems like most of their purpose is to sing praises in God's presence. These are awesome creatures. Now, in Ezekiel 10.14, this describes another kind of angel, cherubim. This is what it says. Each of the cherubim had four faces. So imagine an angel with four faces. You and I have one face. One face was that of a cherub, the second the face of a human being, the third the face of a lion, and the fourth the face of an eagle. Now what did cherubim do? Well, according to Genesis 3.24, some were placed to guard a path outside the Garden of Eden. After God drove Adam and Eve out, he placed on the east side of the garden cherubim and a flaming sword flashing back and forth to guard the way to the tree of life. So the angel Gabriel speaks to Mary, an angel of the Lord speaks to Joseph, Zechariah, and the shepherds. An angel of the Lord appears to the shepherds and says in scripture that angelic hosts appear praising God and saying glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill towards men. Note that in most instances, angels will start by saying, fear not. Don't you wonder about that? Why are they saying fear not? You maybe think, okay, they're scary. No, 
I think that people are likely to be afraid if they see something that isn't human. Many people have indicated in their study of scriptures that they believe that angels are very tall, that they're bright, white, light, shining. So if you think about seeing that, someone coming up to you like that, out of nowhere, appearing, you're going to be scared. But I love that they say, fear not. And then they give you some fabulous news or sometimes some interesting news like Zechariah finding out that he is going to be a dad after praying about it for many years and his wife unable to conceive or Mary being told that she's going to have a child, the son of God. Friends, here's the facts about angels. They're worshiping God, protecting and encouraging us, announcing important information and delivering judgment. They have specific tasks that they perform. They're not continually created because they were only once created. They do not marry, fall in love, or earn their wings. We're not to worship them, but we can be thankful for them and be in awe of them. We can be grateful that God sends them and uses them, and that at this time of year, we can remember that he specifically used angels to deliver the good news that Jesus Christ would be born to save us from our sins. Let me pray with you. Dear Jesus, as we reflect on the Christmas season, we give you thanks for creating special entities that you use to communicate with us and protect us. We're thankful for Mary and Joseph and their humble hearts to serve you. We're grateful for the baby Jesus who was born to save us from our sins. Help us be a light that shines in the dark world today. In Jesus' name, amen. Merry Christmas to you and your family from me and Best Life Ministries. For more encouragement and hope, log on to our website at bestlifeministries.com. And for more information about me, you can log on to kathyweckworth.com. Hey, thanks for being with us today. And until next time, I encourage you to go out and be your best. best.